Today's episode is brought to you by King Realty and Management Incorporated, a full-service residential real estate brokerage with a multi-generational approach. Are you looking to invest in real estate here in Texas? Or better yet, are you looking to sell your home? Be sure to contact King Realty and Management. Visit kingrealtytx.com slash podcast. versus machine how i got someone else to pay off my student loan debt and how you can do the same thing let's jump right into today's conversation hello hello it's courtney here again with another episode of millennial versus machine i am the millennial and i am going against this machine which is student loan debt um thanks for joining us today um today we are going to talk about financing your first investment property And this is actually going to be a two-part series, I guess you would say. Um, Today, we're going to talk about traditionally, like the traditional ways of purchasing an investment property through a traditional bank. Um, And then next week, I want to talk about the creative ways. Um, Honestly, I was going to start off with the creative ways, and then I'm like, no, let's back it up. Like I want to walk you guys through step-by-step of how this thing goes, okay? And just provide you with as much information as possible so that you can run with it, you can go do your due diligence, and um, figure out what's the best route for you. Now, before I get started, I'm going to read a review um, of the book. It is available on Amazon. Something's up with my site right now, but my website is CourtneyMKing.com. It's in the show notes. Um, Hopefully, by the time you listen to this, the website will be fixed completely. Um, But before I get into this review, I want to say that the information that I'm providing today is just that information. I am not representing you in the purchase. I'm not even telling you where to go to get this mortgage loan, um, but providing you with information. Now, of course, I'm here to help. So um, if you want kind of some one-on-one guidance, make sure you reach out to me. My email is Courtney at KingRealtyTX.com. And I'm super like willing to help. Like I want to see you guys win. I want to help build more millennial real estate investors out there. So um, I wanted to kind of make that clear and and give that little disclaimer. Um, So the review of the book uh, that I'm going to be reading today is from Chelsea. She says, the content in this book was so easy to follow and offered great advice for those who are looking to invest in themselves. I also love that it fostered new ways to looking at an old system with hope and promise that we can achieve the goals that are set out. The author puts her info out to be contacted, which I don't see often in other books. I actually reached out to her and she responded. So now I'm on my way to being financially free. Thank you so much, Chelsea, for taking the time to review my book. I totally appreciate it. Guys, if you have the book or if you don't have the book, order it on Amazon. And I'd love to hear and see more reviews from you guys. Also, um, just wanted to remind you, please rate the podcast. It helps other people who are interested in overcoming this machine called student loan debt or any other debt um, locate this podcast a little bit more easily. So let's talk about 
traditional ways to finance a investment property. Um, backtrack a little bit. I've done quite a few episodes thus far, especially the pre-work, how to prepare, how to know where you are. It's important that you do the pre-work before you dive um, completely into this. So make sure you listen to those earlier episodes. Um, so when I say traditional ways of financing an investment property, I am mainly speaking of a bank, right? Some sort of mortgage lender, all the big banks usually have, um, uh, a mortgage department where they're, you know, lending to people who want to purchase properties. Um, there are also mortgage companies that are not tied to big banks. As a matter of fact, uh, Barbara Thompson, she was on the episode. Um, she's a CPA, but she's also a mortgage lender. Um, and so she is with one of the smaller lenders out there. Um, guys, it really doesn't matter on the size of the lender, but in my opinion, obviously, you know, there's some things that you want to compare, uh, which I'll talk about that towards the end, um, of this episode. But, um, yeah, so I want to get another lender on here. So if you guys, um, any of you guys are seasoned lenders that have worked with investors, definitely reach out to me. Um, you can, uh, email me directly at Courtney at KingRealtyTX.com or you can go to CourtneyMKing.com slash podcast and there's a little form that you can complete and it goes directly to me. So before we kind of talk about the actual lender themselves, let's talk about the criteria that most lenders are looking for. Guys, this is very individual. Every lending institution is a little bit different, but this is kind of the overall guidelines that most lenders um, take into consideration. The four things that we're going to talk about today are credit, your debt to income ratio, which includes a talk about your income, down payment, and then supporting documents and everything that they're going to require during the process. Okay. So, um, my goal in this episode is just to really give you the expectations on like how things work. Okay. So let's talk about credit because a lot of y'all have reached out to me and said, look, I'm working on my credit. And that is amazing, right? Um, there's always room for growth uh, uh, when it comes to credit. Our scores can always go up. And so that's admirable for you guys out there. Typically, a lender requires a credit score of 620 or higher in order to finance the purchase of a home. Now, you're going to get significantly more favorable loan terms if you are, uh, if you have 640 or higher. Okay. There are some lenders out there that advertise, I get emails all the time, um, 580 or higher. Um, I've never used one of those lenders before, but, um, if you are at a 580 uh, or higher that that may be an option too, but just know that your loan terms are not going to be that great. When I say loan terms, I mean interest rate uh, in particular, right? So somebody that has like a 700 plus credit score may be on the lower end of the interest rates, um, which let's say on a 30-year mortgage um, fixed rate, you're looking at maybe 4%, right? Versus somebody that's at a 580 credit score, um, maybe closer to 6 or 7%. You know, I'm just throwing numbers out there, but you can kind of see the contrast there, right? So credit is very, very important. 
Um, if you go back to one of the pre-work episodes, it's episode four or five, I talk about credit. Um, I talk about different ways that you can strategize um, to help tackle the whole credit thing. I hope to get a credit repair person on the podcast. So if that's you, definitely reach out to me. Um, just get my information from the show notes and I repeated it earlier today. So earlier on the podcast. So um, definitely want to talk more about that, guys. I um, just, ever since I was a little kid and I talk about this in the book, um, credit was always like my parents always made it a point to, you know, instill in me, you know, the importance of good credit. And it is, I mean, most investors are using some sort of credit to leverage. Um, and that's a whole nother podcast that we can talk about. Um, but credit is important. And so if you're not there, if you're not at a 580, 620, 640 or higher, then definitely, um, a conversation needs to be had, some research needs to be done on how you can improve that. But that's the first component um, that traditional lenders are looking for. Okay, um, the second component is debt to income. And I've kind of, I was thinking about separating income into a whole separate category, but I kind of lumped it in here, right? So what lenders are looking for is that you earn enough um, money. And when I say enough, I guess it kind of depends on um, how much home you're, you're going to buy. So like up to what sale price you're trying to buy. So if you're looking at something for a hundred thousand, um, and that monthly payment is let's say 800 a month, um, then all of that's going to be factored in, um, in terms of your ratios. So debt to income is basically, they calculate, this is a very basic kind of explanation of what this is. If you take how much money you earn per month, right? And you um, also calculate how much your monthly debts are, how much you pay in car note, student loans, um, if you already have a mortgage, uh, credit cards, they take that and they formulate a ratio of what's coming in versus what's coming in, what's going out. Um, with, especially with uh, more investor loans where they're requiring the 20% down, they're going to want to see a lower debt to income ratio. Um, and this kind of varies, but you know, between 30 and 35%. Um, if you are purchasing a home and you're using an FHA loan, which requires three and a half percent down, I've seen them go up to 50% debt to income ratio. Okay. Um, this is one of those case by case things that you really need to talk to a mortgage lender about to see where you fall, right? Um, if there's things, debts that they want you to cut, I'll give you a personal example. Um, my first condo that I bought as a primary residence, um, and I was using an FHA loan, they made me actually close all of my credit cards. <laughs> the credit cards were at a zero balance anyway, right? But they said, Courtney, you have access to too much um, credit. You need to close them because you, we don't want you running up all this credit after you buy this condo, right? Um, it kind of blew my mind, to be honest with you. Um, but I share that just to say that lenders may require certain things like that, right? Um, so when they look at your credit as a whole, they're looking at all your debts, they're looking 
at so many different variables, but just know that that is a possibility. And sure enough, I had to close all of those credit cards. And I know you're thinking, some of you guys are thinking, well, wait a minute, I thought you're not supposed to close accounts. Yeah, that's what I thought too. <laughs> but the cool thing is, is that a lot of lenders, including a lender that I've used for many years, a dear friend of mine, um, he can, he has this system where he can plug in different scenarios. So like it, he plugged in the scenario, okay, if Courtney closes all of her credit cards, um, where would that, how would that affect her score? And so he ran that scenario before I actually did it. So it actually, in my case, didn't really negatively impact my score, but I'm not saying that that wouldn't negatively impact your score. Okay. So, um, just a little sidebar there, okay? So um, you can use this basic calculation to see where you're at, um, but if you are not where you want to be or need to be, don't let that deter you from at least opening up dialogue with a lender. And if you need some referrals, let me know. I got you. Make sure you hit me up um, and, and I'll make sure you're taken care of, okay? So we talked about credit. We talked about debt to income ratio. Let's talk about down payment. This is the next biggest topic that I've heard from you guys that is an issue. Um, let's face it, I think in our culture here in the United States, um, people have a, a hard time saving. Um, and so the down payment can be one of those things where you're like, you know, I don't have the money to put down, what do I do? And in the last episode, I briefly hinted about this, about ways that you can save for a down payment, like saving your uh, tax refund, right? Um, cutting some of your expenses, right? And, and saving that money instead of normally shelling it out. Um, but typically with a traditional lender, you, they're going to require you to put 20% down unless, and I hinted at this, unless you purchase a property with an FHA loan, which... Sidebar, you are required to occupy that property. Now, the requirement in terms of how long you have to occupy that property, we can talk about that off the podcast, but um, that could be something, an alternative route where you buy it, you live in, in the property for a brief period of time, and then you convert it into a rental. So um, that could be your saving grace in terms of way, a way to buy a property with a minimal down payment of 3.5%. There are some lenders, including a big name lender here in the United States, um, that offers 3% and sometimes 0% down, but those are kind of far and few between. Now, at the time of this recording, we're going through this whole coronavirus thing. I do anticipate some of the lending requirements being laxed a little bit. I don't know what that's going to look like just yet. Okay. So, but I promise you once kind of all of this plays out, I will do an episode on that because again, by relaxing some of the lending requirements, it actually may stimulate more purchases, which is good for you, the buyer. Okay. So, um, that's, that's another component is the down payment. Okay. Now in the next episode, we're going to talk creative ways that people can still purchase investment property with minimal down payment 
Also, if you have credit challenges or debt to income challenges, right? There are still ways for you to purchase. Um, and so that's the next episode that I'm going to talk about. Okay. Um, the fourth thing that we're going to talk about is supporting documents and, and what a lender is going to require. Okay. And I'm going to break this up into two parts, right? One part are, is for my W2 folks that are employees. And then the other part are for the self-employed people. Okay. And the reason why I break that up in terms of what is required is that it's very different. Okay. For my W2 folks, I, you have the easiest time. <laughs> Um, in terms of documents required, they're going to request tax returns. Um, they're going to request, um, paycheck stubs, um, a loan application nine times out of 10, the loan application is online. Just so you know, um, they will also likely, um, request bank statements. Okay. Um, complete bank statements, usually for like the last three months. Okay. Um, every lender is a little bit different, but be prepared to submit a lot of things. Now I'm also going to tell you this, they are going to ask for the same document multiple times. It is what it is, right? I say that so that you know, and you won't get upset when they ask you for another paycheck stub, right? So if there's a pay period in between the time that you apply, um, for this mortgage and the time that you close, they're going to ask for those paycheck stubs, right? You guys don't let it take you somewhere because I've seen people get so pissed off at these lenders requiring documents. And I'm like, guys, and I usually try to prepare them even before we get to that place, right? Guys, they're going to ask for this stuff, right? Um, and so that's the part of the process, guys. No need to work yourself up. Like it doesn't have to be this humongous thing and something that you get pissed off about, right? It is what it is. They're asking for this stuff for everybody, okay? And I've been through this, guys. <laughs> and it's ticked me off a little bit. So that's why I'm telling you, like don't let it take you to some place, right? So let's talk a little bit about my self-employed people that myself included, okay? So they're going to ask for the same things, Um Except, obviously, a lot of you guys may not have paycheck stubs if you're self-employed, okay? Um, and by the way, it's a good idea to put yourself on payroll. That's not, that's something that my CPA told me, and there's a lot of reasons why we can talk about that later. I'm not a CPA, consult a, a CPA, right? But if you are self-employed and you don't have paycheck stubs, you're going to obviously ask for bank statements, they're going to ask for 1099s. They're going to ask for your full tax returns, at least for the last three years. Um, if you're purchasing like around this time, it's April of 2020 at the time of this recording, they may require that you uh, file 2019 taxes before you purchase. So just kind of be aware of that. Um, they want to know where you're getting your down payment in both cases, whether you're W-2 or you're self-employed. But particularly with my self-employed people, they want to know where your money is coming in and out, okay? I will tell you a personal story. The very first uh, property that I purchased when I was a realtor, right? So I was self-employed. When I tell you, they were asking for everything under the sun, okay? They wanted paperwork to show exactly where all my money was coming from, okay? I'm like, y'all, I'm not over here dealing drugs. Like, 
I'm selling houses. This is where the money's coming from, right? But they still needed an actual paper trail, okay? So um, especially, you know, three, four months before you purchase um, a property, make sure that you are documenting properly where money is coming and going, okay? They will ask for it. Um, <laughs> I got a little bit ticked off because when I was self-employed and I bought my first property, um, that, you know, being self-employed, I was like, y'all, do y'all want a blood sample? Do you want a hair strand? Like what more can you possibly need? Right. I was getting so frustrated because before that I was a W2 employee and they, I mean, it was quick and painless. Okay. So, um, I just say that for my self-employed people. So again, you can have the right expectation and not get frustrated. They're just doing their jobs. Right. And at the end of the day, the, uh, loan officer or the originator, um, that's asking for, for this information from you has zero power. So don't chew them out. <laughs> They're just doing their job. They're just following rules. Okay. So, um, so that's that. The last thing that I want to talk about. So real quick, let's recap. We talked about credit. We talked about debt to income ratios. We talked about down payment and we talked about all of the documents that you're going to need to submit. Now let's talk about how to choose a traditional lender. Okay. You're going to be surprised when I say this, but Honestly, one of my number one things when choosing a lender is how quickly do they respond to me? How quickly are they able to process my application? Um, is their communication on point? Are they walking me through step-by-step step of what they need? Are they giving me weekly updates in terms of what's happening with the progress? Okay. Believe it or not, that is number one for me because I've dealt with a lot of lenders um, in my 10 years of doing this. Um, and, and even when I bought my first property and when I wasn't a realtor, right? So um, that's, that's important. The fees are not going to vary that much, okay? Um, I put a little asterisk right there because it, it kind of depends. But um, for the most part, a lot of the fees are going to be very similar. If you're doing kind of traditional loan products, you know, if you're doing, you know, adjustable rate mortgage, which we're not even going to talk about because that's a whole nother beast that I don't necessarily recommend. But if you're doing a 30-year fixed mortgage, FHA, conventional, a VA, there's not going to be a huge variety in terms of the fees, okay? So that's why I really focus on customer service, right? Um, because that is can make or break how smooth this transaction goes. And so that's important. The next thing is, is yes, rates and terms, right? What are the origination fees? What are the interest rates that, that, that they're charging? What different products are available? Um, Every lending institution is a little bit different. So yeah, you do want to compare those, but number one, communication, that's important. And that might just be my personal preference. I don't know. So um, do whatever it is, do your due diligence. Go with your gut instinct. If you are talking to a lender and you're like, this doesn't feel right. Oh, they're not getting back to me fast enough. Um, they're not properly explaining to me what it is they want and need and look are looking for and all of that good stuff. Go with your gut. Like that's, that's an industry that is also very much saturated. There's so many different lending institutions, right? So shop around. 
Um, back in, I believe it was 2017, the CFPB, which is um, like a consumer protection bureau, um, passed these new laws that really prompt and incentivize the consumer to shop around, okay? So I know one of the questions may pop up in your head and this just popped up in my head is, wait a minute, Courtney, if I'm shopping around and they're pulling my credit every single time, is that gonna negatively impact my score? If you're pulling your credit for mortgage purposes during a 30-day period, like a 30-day window, no, you get, you get dinged for one inquiry, but during that 30-day window, um, it should not ding your credit even more. Now, outside that window, that's a whole other thing, and that's why we need to talk to a credit expert. But um, that's just something to consider. So just to kind of do a final recap, we talked about credit. We talked about debt-to-income ratio. We talked about down payment, what's required. We talked about supporting documents for W-2 employees and self-employed people. And then we talked about how to sh uh, select a mortgage lender. I hope this is helpful for you guys. This is the traditional, most common route that people purchase properties, okay? Um, next week, I'm super excited to share the creative ways, creative ways that I've actually personally used over the years, okay? Um, I lost count with how many investment properties I've purchased over the years, but it's quite a bit. And um, so I'm gonna give you some additional tips that um, I've actually used and have found success. Again, make sure you rate and review this podcast. I love for you guys to share it. Um, if you haven't joined our private Facebook community, I have it linked in the show notes. They are actually watching this live as I record the podcast. So if you want some um, kind of first look, first listens, um, and also exclusive content, make sure you join the group. It's in the show notes. And I just appreciate you guys supporting the book and I encourage you guys to especially take this time where we're in quarantine, where a lot of things have slowed down to really educate yourself so that you are empowered to make some moves because the market is going to react, that it's going to continue to cycle and I want you guys to be prepared so you can scoop up these deals so you can get these tenants in these properties, that cash flow and that can help you achieve financial freedom but also help you eliminate the student loan debt. Like get someone else to pay off your student loans like I did, okay? And like I continue to do in terms of other debts with my rental properties that I have. Thank you so much. Make sure you visit me, CourtneyMKing.com and I will talk to you guys next week for another episode of Millennial Versus Machine. See you later. Well, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you want to continue the conversation, be sure to visit CourtneyMKing.com slash community. And oh, by the way, please subscribe, share, rate, and review this podcast. I would greatly appreciate it. And so would your peeps who are looking to get out of student loan debt. Until next time.